Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, the book of uh, the book of Luke, the book of Luke, chapter seven, um, beginning with verse number thirty-six. You know, I don't know if you noticed this, but there are just uh, there are just some people uh, you can't take out in public, isn't there? Now, I don't want y'all. I don't want y'all start pointing at people, all right? And don't be pointing up them here at me. But you know, I, you know, there's some people that you just kind of get nervous at when you go out in public with them. I know that a lot of times when uh, you go out to eat, especially when you go out to eat with uh, with family, with extended family, and with friends, you know, there's always that one loud redneck that talks all over the place, just talking loud. And there's always that one that no matter what's going to happen is going to have some type of confrontation with the waitress. And then don't talk about bringing your kids. Especially, you probably remember when you had those little ones, you were afraid that they were going to cause some type of fit or, or probably, you know, uh, all of a sudden hear uh, everybody causing a commotion to hear and stir and all of a sudden see your little kid walking around naked across the restaurant. But, you know, there's always just this quiet nervousness when you're out about, about a scene that may occur. And uh, this morning, we're going to talk about a scene that occurred while eating. And as we talk about this scene that happened, at this uh, disruption of a meal, I want us to think about our response and our reaction to Jesus. And I want to think about our level of worship. And does it matter enough in our life that we're willing to step out and cause a scene for him? So let's read together in the book of Luke, chapter 7. We begin with verse number 36 where we find this. It says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman uh, of the city who was a sinner, when uh, she learned that, that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, bought out an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his at, uh, standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began, she began to wet his feet with her tears and to wipe them with her hair, uh, with her hair and to kiss them at his feet and anoint them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him into this, I mean, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who this woman was, uh, what sort of woman this was. This is who a teacher uh, him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two uh, had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii, and the other fifty. When one, I mean, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered. The one, I suppose, of whom he counseled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to her, said to her, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who are at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said 
to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be in your presence this morning. And so, Lord, as we gather uh, in your presence, Lord, as we read this scripture, Lord, as we read your word, Lord, I just pray, Lord, you'll just come down, Lord, and you'll speak to each and every one of us. Lord, and we remember, Lord, of the debt that was forgiven for our sins. Lord, and that we'd search down in our heart, Lord, and realize the filthiness that existed in our hearts. Lord, and even the filthiness that still exists now. And Lord, in light of the forgiveness that you have given us, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we are challenged to love you more and to show it in the way that we worship. But also we love those who are around us who don't know you and need to experience your love before it's too late. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, it's a lot of times in Luke and uh, you'll see that Jesus uh, is invited somewhere to go eat. And a lot of his occasions and a lot of his ministry uh, in the book of Luke occurred around meals. And, uh, and so this Pharisee asked Jesus to come and to uh, recline with him and to share a meal with him. And there's one area in my life that I'm pretty certain that I can confidently say that I'm like Jesus. It is in this. I will never turn down a meal just like Jesus. All right? So here, we, I want you just to picture the scene. And so they go in uh, to have this meal, and their meals were a little bit uh, different, and the way that they were eating was a little bit different. And the way that they were reclining at this table is uh, there was, imagine, you could imagine a uh, central uh, table, and I want you to imagine some people kind of on couches kind of laying in front of it. It's kind of like you would a lot of times lay down in front of the TV to watch the TV, and your feet would be there at the back, and uh, your head would be at the front watching the TV, and you had that big old bowl of popcorn, going rom, 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 watching your movie, having a good time. And I want you to imagine that's just kind of the scene that, uh, that you're having. And so Jesus is there uh, at reclining at the table, and I imagine there's really kind of much uh, conversation that is going on, and you could just imagine what the topics could be. Then just all of a sudden, here comes, here comes this woman. And it's interesting to note it that as we are identified this woman, we are never given her name, but we are given some inclinations. We're given some details about this woman to tell us something about herself. And the two things that we are told is that she was one of the women from the city. And you can just almost imagine that's kind of like, uh, you know, in quotation marks, like she is a woman from the city. You know, she's a woman of the city. And you can just imagine what that made, uh, would mean to the people that would hear that type of phrase. And to sort of reinforce where this woman stood is it said that she was a sinner. Now, you just had to imagine what kind of a category you would have to be in to be considered a sinner. That even a lot of times as we all think that, hey, we are sinners, they're just certain people that you think about, that you see, that you look at them, and man, their life is just a mess, and they, they uh, just do all types of, types of things. And whether you're a re religious person or a non-religious person, a lot of people would just almost look in consensus and say that person is a sinner. So here comes this person, and everybody knew who she was. And even though they may not even know her name, they knew her reputation and the type of things that she did. And there's, all of a sudden, she just comes in right there in the middle you know, of the casserole, and all of a sudden lays down there and breaks out this alabaster jar, this jar full of ointment, and gets down on her knees and starts anointing Jesus' feet. 
And then all of a sudden, she just, she just starts crying, and she starts weeping. And we, we're, again, we're not giving details of what it is that she's crying about. Is she crying about the multitude of her sin? Is she crying that she's finally realized, hey, my life that I'm living is not the way that I need to be living? And she's just crying and sobbing. Is she crying and sobbing because she recognized here is Jesus? There's something that's been tipping her off that this person is special. This person is different. Maybe she's heard the preaching. Maybe she's heard the story. But just for some reason, she's just there crying. Or maybe she's just crying because that's what women do. They're just always crying for no reason. But there she is, and she's weeping. And as those tears come down, and you can just see the magnitude of the tears because she's able to take her hair and just wipe Jesus' feet with her hair, bringing out those tears, spreading out that ointment. And everybody looks. And the Pharisee, uh, Simon, who had invited Jesus, and you can tell that, you can, uh, tell that he was pretty skeptical about Jesus that he was just like the other Pharisees who really didn't believe Jesus was who he says he was. And he looks and he thought in his mind, and he says, you know what? If this person knew, if he truly was a prophet, he would know who that person is and what type of person that she was and that she was a sinner. You can just imagine the implication for him to say, you know what? If Jesus really was a prophet, if he really was from God, he would know who this woman was. And then the implication was, if he knew who that person was, he wouldn't hang around them. Well, what is that like a lot of our attitudes sometimes, huh? If you knew who that was, then you wouldn't hang around them. And so Jesus, knowing their thoughts, and I always bring this out because it's always something for us to remember in our hearts, right? That Jesus knows our thoughts, right? He knows what you're thinking. He knows if you're listening to the sermon this morning or if you're already thinking about your trip to the restaurant, all right? So he knows what you're thinking. He knows what's in your heart. And so he looks at them and he's going to ask them the question. He's going to tell them a parable. He says, Simon, let me ask you a question. He says, let's just suppose there, were, there was this money lender and uh, he had two debtors, and one owed 500 denarii, and another owed 50. Now, I want us to imagine what that would account to. Now, a denarii was about the sum of money you would get for a day's labor. And so this per first person owed a debt of equivalent of about 20 months' wages. But the one who owed 50 had a debt of what would be the equivalent of about two months' wages. And so the, both of these gentlemen were not able to pay their debt. And the money lender decided of the kind of his heart that he would just cancel those debts, that he would just write them off. And Jesus said, Simon, which one do you think would love the money lender more? And isn't it kind of interesting that Simon was able to give the answer. He was able to quickly say, you know what, I suppose it would be the one who had been given the greatest debt. And Jesus says, you answered right. But isn't it noticed how Jesus uses stories 
in that he uses his parables to talk about other things, to show things that existed in their heart. Remember what Nathan did to David after he sinned with Bathsheba, right? He wasn't thinking nothing about it. And then Nathan comes in and he tells him the story about a man um, a man who had, this, uh, who had this one little sheep and this other man who had a ton of butts of sheep. And then, uh, you know, and then uh, there, there came the party. And so the man who had a bunch of sheep went and took the man's who had just that one little sheep. And through that, talking about something else, David was able to see the sin of the situation. And Nathan was able to use that to point to David and say, hey, you're doing the same thing. And isn't it something how easy it is for us to see other people's problems and how easy it is to lose sight or be blinded to our own problems? And so he said, you answered well. And then Jesus said to him, he said, look, Simon, I've been in your house this whole time. This whole time I've been in your house and you didn't give me water to wash my feet. But this woman has washed my feet with her tears. He said, Simon, I've been in this house the whole time and you did not, you did not give me a kiss. But this woman, this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet. He said, Simon, I've been in this house the whole time and you've not anointed my head with oil, but yet this woman anoints my hair with her tears and with her expensive perfume. What is he saying here? Simon, I've come into your house and you have not extended to me the basic customs of hospitality because that's what you would do back in those times when you would, some, when you would welcome someone in the house. You would give them uh, to water to wash their feet. You would give them a kiss of a greeting, and then you would, you would anoint them. It was, a, it was a sense of hospitality. It was what you would do to your guest. And so by Simon not doing this to Jesus, Simon was basically saying to Jesus, I don't really regard you in any special way. I don't really think of much of you as a guest. I don't think much of you as a person. I don't really think much about what you claim. I really have no regard for who you are. But then he says, think about the woman. The woman that you talked down to. She anointed my feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, and she kissed my feet. He says, I want you to think about the difference. And then he tells them something spectacular. He tells us something spectacular in that next verse. Um, when, she said, when he says this in verse number seven, I mean, in verse number 47, it says, Therefore, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. He says, therefore. That therefore usually tells us that in light of what's taken place. In other words, in light of the way that she responded to me. Her sins, though they are many, are forgiven. You see, Simon was wrong. Jesus knew exactly who this woman was. Jesus knew 
her sins. She knew, he knew that her sins were great. And as a matter of fact, Jesus knew of sins of hers that they probably didn't know nothing about. Her sins were great, and Jesus knew it. But Jesus, even though knowing her sins, wanted to come near her. And Jesus forgave her of her sins. So she knew, I mean, Jesus knew this woman. She knew, I mean, he knew he was, she was a sinner. And he knew, but he knew that she knew who he was. She recognized Jesus for who he was. She recognized Jesus as someone who could save her. She recognized and believed the message that Jesus preached. She may have not been able to answer all the theological questions. She may have not been able to give you all of the details, but she knew that Jesus, who Jesus was, and she knew that she needed what Jesus had. And what Jesus had was the authority to forgive her of her sins. She knew, he knew that she was a sinner, but he knew that she believed in him. And he knew that her heart was now filled with love and gratitude. Notice the way that she responded to Jesus. Notice the way that she worshiped him. Notice the way to which she recognized him. Because she knew that her debt was great, but yet Jesus had forgiven her. So she knew who this lady was. And he probably, and he definitely even knew her name, even though that we didn't know, aren't given her name. But Jesus wanted uh, us to know that not only did she know, did he know who this woman was, but he also knew who Simon was. And Jesus knew what Simon's heart was like because what does he say to them? He says, uh, um, uh, what does he say at the end of that verse, number 47? It says, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said that your sins are forgiven. He gives us an equation. He gives us a formula. He challenges us to do a little math. And he says, you know what? The level of love that exists in your heart is equal to the level of forgiveness to which you've experienced through Jesus. And it was clearly on display because this Simon, he was a Pharisee. In other words, he trusted in works for his salvation. He thought God should be happy to have him a part of his, uh, of his kingdom because of all the good things that he would do. When we, Simon would ask, Simon, why, why do you know that you are in a right relationship with God? Simon would start talking about all the great things that he would do. 
He would maybe start talking about all the generosity that he would give. He would maybe talk about his tithes. He would maybe talk about the way he fasts. He would maybe talk about how he keeps the law. He would maybe talk about how many times he goes to the synagogue. He would maybe talk about all the Bible verses that he knew. He would maybe talk about all of these things. That would be the way that he thinks of himself because he thought himself to be a good person. And since he was a good person, he didn't need Jesus. He didn't need forgiveness. He didn't need washing for his sins. And it showed in the way that he responded to Jesus. And if you don't think that you need Jesus in your life, if you haven't come to the realization of the magnitude and the level of your sinfulness and your need of salvation, it's going to show in the way that you treat Jesus. That's why we're so ho-hum in our worship. That's why we're so ho-hum in the way that we live. That's why we're so snooty and got our noses all up in the face when we walk around at church because we think we're there. We think we have all the answers. We think that we're just really good people and don't realize the stench of our sin. You always notice the people to which Jesus brought from lives of drugs or other ways of living. You always notice the difference in the way that they worship and the way they talk about God. Maybe most importantly, the way they treat other people. Because since this Pharisee didn't realize the sin in his life, since he thought in himself to be righteous, it affected the way that he treated other people. Notice the way that he talked about this woman when she came in. She was a sinner. And if he was a prophet, if Jesus was a prophet, knew who he was, he wouldn't have anything to do with her wouldn't let her touch her, wouldn't let her near, wouldn't let her talk to her because she's a sinner and we're holy people and we don't hang around those people. And that was their attitude because they thought that they were up here and everybody else was down here. Jesus had not done much in their life and it showed they didn't think they needed forgiveness, and it showed. They didn't understand the depth of their sin, and it showed. But here was this woman, this woman who knew that she was a sinner, this woman who everybody knew was a sinner, found someone that would receive her, and forgive her and change her life. And since she had experienced that level of love and that level of acceptance of Jesus, it allowed her to, first of all, love God more. The more you realize that the Lord has done for, me, for you, the more you're going to praise Him. The more you realize that the Lord has done for me, for you, the more you're going to pray. The more you realize that the Lord has done for you 
and has saved you from, the more authentic your worship is going to be. The more love you will have for Jesus. But it will also change the level of love that you have for others. Because you realize what all throughout the Bible they realize is that since God has shown so much love for us in our sinfulness, then we should love one another. Since God has shown so much love for us that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us, then we should love like he loved us. We should love those who like us. We should love those who hate us. We should love those who are righteous, and we should love those who are lost. And the way to which you love will be in direct correlation to the realization of how much God had to do for you and how you had to be forgiven. He gives the right analogy for sin here. He calls it a debt. And he wants to think about our sin as a debt. What is a debt? Well, a debt is a hole that you dug for yourself, right? You got in a bind, and uh, you needed money, and so you had to borrow something, and so you owed that money. And you get to the owing that money, and now you can't pay that money. And so now you got to borrow more money. And so now you just get in a further, deeper, deeper pit because you owe something. And sometimes you get into a position where you have such a large debt that you cannot pay it back. And so what he wants us to understand is that our sin, it's a debt. It's something that we owe, but yet do not have the capacity to pay back. And that debt just can't be wiped away. That debt just can't be marked off the books, but there has to be an accounting for it. There has to be a payment. Somebody has to make the cover for that debt. But Jesus paid a debt he did not owe, and I owed a debt that I could not pay. But Jesus came, and he washed my sins away. Let's never forget what Jesus did for us. People were astonished by what they were saying. And notice the statement that all of those who gathered in that room made about what they just saw. They said, who is this that forgives sins? Who is it that loves us enough to forgive us our sin. Who is, it an, who is it that has the authority to forgive sins? Who is it that has paid the debt for our sins so that our sins can be forgiven? That person is Jesus. Let's never forget the magnitude and the level of our sin and the more we realize the magnitude and the level of our sin, the more we appreciate and the more we see the magnitude of God's love for his people. 
the more we see the magnitude of Christ's love for us, that he gave his life for us. Jesus has forgiven us of the great debt of our sin. So in our hearts should always be an ever-increasing amount of love, not just to Jesus in our worship, in our obedience, but also in our love for each other and those who are lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the things that you bless us with. Lord, Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, and we just pray, Lord, that as we come to this time of invitation, we think in our hearts, Lord, about our sinfulness. Lord, we think about the times that we fall short. Lord, we think about the times that we just continue to disobey. But Lord, we also think about your forgiveness. Lord, let us think about that debt this morning. And Lord, let us think about your forgiveness. And let it challenge our hearts to ever increasingly have more love for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand. 320, 320.